0: LifeWay Lifeway. Lifeway Leadership Podcast Network. You're listening to the 5 Leadership Questions Podcast. I'm your host, Todd Atkins, and I'm here today with just a guest. Why just a guest? Because this guy is the quintessential leader. Now, you guys know that um, I was an XP. I love talking to other XPs. I love talking to people that love leadership. Uh, And this... Person that we have on today is—you don't use the term guru very often—and I'm not gonna—I'm not going to disrespect him by using this term. Uh, But he has been around for a a while, um, and he—okay, so I have on today Dan Ryland, uh, and I will—I will just introduce him. I don't even know if I need to introduce him to our audience, um, but. You know, um, most recent book was Five Advantages, I believe. Uh, And then the other thing that you need to know about him is if you go back in time to kind of, I feel like what we all, I don't know, whether you know it or not, if you're a leadership guy, you owe a lot to, to him. You owe a lot to John Maxwell and enjoy. And he was there for all of that. Um, Because it basically gave guys like me in the late 90s uh, who were coming up, uh, it gave me uh, an opportunity to serve outside of just being a student pastor. And it's not that I was just a student pastor at the time. I look back on those years and it was the best years of, of my life. And in part, my ministry got to lead so many people to Christ and all of that. But there was a transition that needed to happen in my life and probably a transition that needs to happen in in the lives of a lot of people that are listening. And that that moment in time, I was tremendously impacted uh, by Enjoy and John Maxwell and also Catalyst when it uh, came along in, I think, 2000. Um, There was a lot of stuff that was happening around leadership at that time. And more than anything, it gave me permission to have a conversation. It gave me permission to have a conversation with myself. It gave me permission to have a conversation with my pastor and other business leaders in my church and community. And I really, really appreciate that. In addition to that, Dan, uh, you have also done quite a bit of twelve stone. Um, you guys have an amazing legacy of leadership development, and you know we've had the the luxury of. Um, getting to talk to pastors on a daily basis and going out and doing the stuff called pipeline. And you guys uh, have lived and breathed that for a long time. So um, tell me a little bit more about your, yourself, tell our listeners a little bit more about yourself from a personal perspective and uh, we'll get into it.
1: Thanks Todd. It's great to make this connect and, and jump in on this podcast together. Uh <clears throat> I, it's hard to believe, but uh, I, I've been at 12stone now for 17 years. That we've is been, amazing. I know. We've been, in, <laughs> we've been in Atlanta for about 20. I was over at North Point for a little while. Of course, any, you know that anybody who leaves the Pacific Ocean and trades it for the Chattahoochee River is <laughs> either a God thing or they're just stupid. And and so I'm going to bank on the God thing. But, right. Uh, Uh, Been in ministry now, married in in ministry for 37 years. Can you believe that? And uh, maybe a a little known fact um, for I was a criminal justice administration major in college and I was a private investigator for a short, short time before God called me into ministry. So there's there's your trivia fact for the day. (laughs) And and uh, but I have a passion for leadership, a passion. I love the church. Um, and I, I love what I do. I love now in this stage uh, getting to focus in more on chief of staff kinds of things, uh, staff culture, staff development, and kind of empowering the next generation, the young leaders to do their thing. And, and uh, I'm, ha- I'm having a blast.
0: It sure seems like it. So one of the things I would encourage people to do that are listening is to go to danryland.com. So D-A-N-R-E-I-L-A-N-D.com. Uh, because you produce consistently the most practical, applicable <laughs> leadership stuff, man. You just continue to turn stuff out. Um, and so that is a discipline thing. It really is. So a lot of young leaders will ask me, you know, well, how, do I, how do I do this or how do I do that or how do I gain in leadership? And I'm just like, well, it's a, it's a daily discipline almost. And part of that daily discipline is learning in front of people. Um, so just, Dan, I want to get down to it. Um, well, actually, I wanted, I didn't want to mention something because there was something I went on your your blog and didn't know about you when I clicked the About Dan section. I thought I knew about you. I didn't know your fascination with guitars, though.
1: Oh, come on, baby. All right. That's, yeah.
0: So um, break down for us really quickly the connection between guitars and leadership, either playing guitars or connecting guitars and leadership. Maybe um, I know you have a collection of guitars and people will go, why do you need different guitars? A lot of these guitars kind of look the same.
1: They they do, and they're, they're it's kind of like a a gun enthusiast, you know, you can never have enough. If you're a guitar enthusiast, you can never have enough. The connection between leadership and and guitars and probably none, but I have to to make up something, right? So I'm going to say that leadership is more art than science. How about that?
0: That's good. That's good.
1: And, and, uh, so it's kind of in the gray tones. It's in the passing notes and, and, uh, Ever since I was a kid, I have to out myself here. I'm a crazy Beatles nut. And so in the, in the late 60s, early 60s there, you know, I just, I was blown away by this new thing and held a guitar. I thought, oh my gosh, when I was 12 years old and and, uh, and I've, I've loved guitars and classic rock ever since. And I think in a former life, I may have been a lead guitar player. I don't know. <laughs> oh, oh. Man. well
0: it it you know hey it's it's um a lot of a lot of people will um, play this the same note it's not the notes that you play it's how you play them how about That's that it. um because a lot of us you know we think we're um we're going off the same notes but some guys just seem to to play them slightly differently and in a different way than others
1: In a different way
0: okay. um all right so our first question who yeah. are you presently learning
1: from? You know i'm I'm a a, a lifelong student. i'm am I'm a learner by nature in many ways. and and uh, so at this age and stage, I I'm really intentional about how I go about it. And so I really have three things I uh, very intentionally go after, and that's my mentors, long, long term, like John Maxwell, people like Sam Chand, who's speaking to my life. And, and authors, uh, I read. I'm a, I'm a thought junkie. Uh, I'm, I'm inspired by great wisdom. And then, and then uh, young leaders. Those are the three categories, my kind of three lanes I run in uh, to keep, you know, mentors, authors, and young leaders. Young leaders keep me fresh. I love to know what they're thinking, what they're doing, where they are. I learn from them. Keeps me kind of uh, on the cutting edge more. Because if, if I if I let myself kind of just run in the direction that I've always run, that you you'll just get left behind. You you really gotta stay current, stay in culture and stay, stay up with it. And they and they're just so creative and so bright and so energetic and and um, so I, I mean I have some twenty somethings for kids and in-laws right. and 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 I we have residents here. I love to hang around them and I wanna know everything like what TV are they watching? What books they read? And what are they thinking? How do they think? And how do they approach life? And that really is one of my great, great learning points as well as mentors and authors. Yeah.
0: What uh, What are a couple of books, um, let's say in the last year that you would say, man, you got to check this out. You got to read that.
1: Yeah. Uh, two, two of them that they're they're not, I wouldn't say they're like super fun reads, but oh my gosh, they're fun. <laughs> And and uh, one was and they they go together to kind of you know who am I learning from besides mentors and, and so forth. But One book uh, Todd was was uh, Deep Work by yeah. Cal, New, Cal Newport. Yep. And I read Deep Work uh, by by Cal in conjunction with Essentialism by Greg McKeown.
0: Oh, now you're just.
1: Messing. And the two of those together just they just go that the crack up, up I was. I almost didn't finish deep work. And I thought, what is wrong with me? I can't. The theme of the book, right? Yeah. Just go deep, quit, quit skimming the surface. And, and what is your great contribution? What? I can't finish the book, you know? And, and, and uh, so I did. And, and it was so good. And in conjunction with essentialism by Greg McEwen. Uh, and I'll tell you, those two guys were, kind of my mind synthesized them and I came up with a, a a learning that I thought I knew and I just haven't. And I still struggle saying no. Hmm. And uh, I love helping pastors. I love helping people. And I, and yet, you know, the construct that, that I've put together and my mentors have coached me and, you know, kind of a three three point one of opportunity, responsibility and calling. Yeah. And, It's that kind of how they connect, you know, what are my opportunities? I'm very blessed. What are my responsibilities? What do I have to do? And then how do I, and then what's the shape, what's my lane and my calling. And so I really thought I kind of had that nailed down to be the, the construct of where I said yes and where I said no, and how I said yes and how I said no. And I'm finding I don't say no very well. And so but I, you're, you're never going to get to the deep work. You're never going to get to the essentials if you don't know what to say no to so you can say yes. And so I'm still I'm still working on it.
0: You know, uh, did you happen to read um, Newport's other book, Digital Minimalism?
1: I, I didn't, but I got the vibe of it, but I haven't read it.
0: Well, I think because it's not the same book, of course, but it's choosing, you know, a focused life in a in a. Uh, digital or a noisy world, um, yeah. and so you know I hadn't really put two and two together until you just said that because um, I now I haven't completed that one I got to be honest, but I did begin to start it because we've had other people say, oh, you need to check out din- digital minimalism. Um, but now that you mention it, it it is about saying no. I mean, so that totally makes sense. How would? how it would uh, dovetail back into to deep work. Now, essentialism, I think, should be required by every seminary.
1: It's killer. It's a great book.
0: Absolutely. I mean, because when I look at, I don't know about you, but and I, I don't want to um, go back and, and uh, re-till up some, some things that I may have talked about too much uh, in the past on the podcast, but I'm going to. And that is because... <laughs> Essentialism. When you come right down to it, and you talk about um, let's let's talk about the gospel, and let's talk about uh, the church growth movement, which we're both a part of, um, and we we both actually probably helped propagate to some degree. Um, but what I feel like where we are is we need to go back. Like church practices change. We used to be able to get people two or three times a, a week to our churches, and now it's two or three times a month yet we have not adjusted accordingly with the essentials of what the church is called to do and be in our community. And we have drifted toward complexity in an amazing way. Um, what else would you say from an essentialism perspective, that book, what did it invoke in you um, as a pastor and executive pastor when you read it?
1: I think, I think really um, drilling down to what matters, you know, when I have a, I'm a passionate kind of guy. And, and when I was younger, I had, you know, the, the box of passions, you know, that my, the list of things that mattered right was long. And, and you really, when you, when you're not focused and you have a lot of things that matter, you don't really dent anything. And so the, the number of things I have in this sort of, mind box thing of, of, of what really matters, the essentials, the, the focus it's, it's much, 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 much less, fewer, you know, but much deeper, like, like I'll f- fight to the death form kind of a thing. And, and so it just helps guide, it helps guide, kind of in the, in the deep work thing is like, if we don't stop skimming and doing everything—skimming relationships, skimming studies, skimming—if we don't, you know—and get to that, what is it that you've got? And that's really difficult in ministry. I think that's really difficult yeah. because Christ calls us to love everybody, but you can't develop everybody. We're, we're to 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 care about anybody in our presence in in that in the moment. Let's say you're in a church lobby. I think my responsibility and my great privilege is to love everybody, but it's not the same calling to everybody in the church lobby who I invest deeply in Mm -hmm. and, and having the spiritual ability to discern or strategic ability to think through according to your lane, your opportunities, your responsibilities, and your calling, who is it that you pour into? I think it's a big choice. I think it's a big decision.
0: Absolutely. And I can't remember. It may have been Maxwell, actually. Uh, I'm trying to think of who I can remember sitting and listening to someone one time. And I can't remember if it was a big venue or a smaller venue, but it was somebody that was on a stage. And they said, if someone can't accuse you of exclusivity, you're probably not developing anybody. Truly developing anybody. And I think that speaks a lot to, to you know, to, to the different, the, the calling of, um, yes, I'm called to love everybody and I'm going to like some people more for sure. But who is it that I'm pouring into? And am I making sure that I'm not skimming? Am I making sure that I have, have moved from just delegating to people and calling that development to actually developing somebody? I do like the I do like the concept of you know, you can't skim leadership.
1: And you, you really can't skim relationship. Oh. So it's it's choosing where you're going to go deep and where, where your deep work is. Um, obviously there's a lot of factors, Todd. I mean, different each of us have different size batteries. we have different size energies. we're in different age and stage. I can't expect of a young guy I'm mentoring who has toddlers in his home to keep up with me, who's an empty nester. I have more freedoms, so we don't we don't want to train them the wrong way. Um, and, and yet, um, because something that Kevin and I have said, and I don't say it as eloquently as he does, but I can get the I can get the idea out. You know, we say to our staff, I don't know, maybe once a year, that um, we would never ever ask you to do anything workload workwise, to hurt your family we would never do that however we're going to ask you not to do anything to make us dumb down the vision right. because you don't have the energy to run at the same speed and so we want to we call it the, the the speed of life and the speed of love um you know the, and the intersection between the two the speed of life says run as fast as you can do as much as you can as as far as your skills allow you, the speed of love says you have to slow down to develop. You have to slow down to nurture. You have, and so where those two where those two lines cross for you or any leader, the speed of life and the speed of love as fast as you can go to get things done, but at a rate and speed where you're nurturing the important relationships in your life. Hmm. That nexus is the place where kind of marks your ability, because that connects to, if I can give, share one more thought. What I think is the great divide in the great teacher and leadership is speed and pressure. Uh, Speed and pressure lets every leader know who you are and what you've got under the hood. What what I mean by that, Todd, is, is for example, Kevin and I, now the senior pastor, founding pastor here at 12 Stone Church, Kevin Myers, We make decisions now in three minutes that used to take three weeks. We make decisions in three weeks that used to take three months. It's speed and pressure. Right. We don't have any any more time. And that really will reveal to a leader who they are becoming to the degree that they can handle speed and pressure.
0: Well, let me ask you something. Um, This is something that our listeners know I've been struggling with for almost two years now, where... At each stage of my life, I've been able to find a new gear. Yep. Right? And so part of it is, has always been, okay, well, speed and pressure, yes. Speed of life and speed of love, yes. I know that I have had to both counsel myself and counsel others on, hey, there are things that you are doing that are not adding value to your relationship with Christ, your relationship to your family or your ministry. Um or yourself, meaning, hey, yeah, I recognize there's some things that you do that are leisure activities that actually do give you energy uh, and do, you know, help you along the way. But for me, it's always been discipline, 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 discipline. Um, how do you, how do you help counsel someone through the speed of life and speed of love and help them see places where? They may be distracted, or they may be wasting time. Like, how do you have that conversation?
1: You know, I try to start it. I, I try to go to where they are, and if they're um, if they're a little bit more linear, I'll go to their calendar and their schedule right. and start unpacking it there. If they're a little bit more, I don't want to say it, it, emotion-driven, but if they're a little bit more on the feeling side. I'll go to their relationships and say, how are things at home? Right. I have to get a a starting place. I have to start somewhere with them. Because if, when you look at the calendar, sometimes we discover a a guy or a gal who thinks they're working too many hours. We really work with this and try to distinguish this a lot here. someone says, I'm working too much, I'm working too much, I'm working too much. And they might be. And if, and if they're working too, if they're working too much, we gotta, we gotta fix it. That's a problem. But what, what we've discovered a lot is, or often, or frequent, mm-hmm. is that many, many, many uh, leaders, church leaders, are not working too many hours. They simply have a very busy life. Yes. And, and the reason that distinction is important is because there are two different situations that require two different solutions. If you're working too many hours, that's a very that's a one problem with a one solution. If you simply have a very busy life, you know you got toddlers and the house broken, the is this and just running, you know, that's a really different solution. And so we go at them in a very different way to to help solve help help solve. And so I really just try to find a platform to start with, and once we're communicating, once we're hearing each other the speed of life, speed of love conversation becomes much, much easier.
0: Right. Right. Well, I've already, uh, let us down a different road. We've already chased our first rabbit and we, uh, answered our first question, which you and I uh, talked about before we got on the air that we could probably just have an episode on each one of these
1: questions. So no question. These are <laughs> wonderful questions. Yeah.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, um, I'll go ahead and and move us to question two. Then, what's your uh, what's your major emphasis with your team right now?
1: Well, uh, we you know we have a long term process of empowering and raising up young leaders, and, and so we continue to do that. And we're having a blast, and the, the younger leaders are doing such a great job. So let me I would take a different road today. That's typically what we talk about, but you know we're I'll just go like current current live live with you here. Okay. We, we just are launching a new vision at 12 Stone and having a blast. And I think the fun thing to talk about, uh, the live thing to talk about is, you know, we spent about a year and a half with a high-capacity consultant and working on this finely-tuned, finely-crafted new vision and strategy and just you know, like, oh my gosh, you know. And literally, a, a goal to go uh, you know, like three days, I don't know what it was, three days before Sunday when Kevin's got to stand up before a gazillion people and say something, several of the the top, top, top younger leaders said, man, I, God is not letting me up on this. The Holy Spirit's messing with me. That God's prompting, and I don't think this is what we're supposed to do. And so they talked with Kevin and talked with me, and really quickly we had this affirmation that all this, there was nothing wrong with what we were doing. There wasn't right. sinful. It wasn't. It was good. It was actually really good, but it was maybe uh, manufactured more than spirit breathed. You know, okay. maybe. I don't, know. I don't want to say that. That's, but but nonetheless, I'll just go to what did happen. God seemed to speak to our young leaders, who are top, you know, uh, young leaders, and they said, "Here's what we think God is saying. What do you What do you guys think?" And it wasn't crafted, and it wasn't cool and it wasn't clean right. it was almost old-fashioned and churchy and, and <laughs> literally uh because of jesus and and uh you know why why do you do what you do because of jesus why are you trying to work on these marriages because of jesus why are you going after lost souls because of jesus and it landed with the staff lit like a fire i know i'm sounding old-fashioned but it just happened it just happened right and it's just being communicated. And so we are just caught up in this, the momentum and morale of this is what God has said. This is what we're doing. And this is where we're going. And, and to connect that to maybe more church language and church stuff, we are pretty deeply revisiting the attractional model. And we're not against it we're clearly an attractional right. model We've been there forever and ever and, and right. it's really uh but but the notion of uh, uh the essence of the attraction model you, you you go make friends and bring them here and we'll talk about jesus right we'll have all the lights let your seekers sit in the back row where it's dark you know that i'm not sure again i have nothing against that model but i do know it's changing yeah and so for us, we are we are doubling down on yes, invite your friends and yes, we wanna we wanna deliver a great experience. But we're trying we're working on flipping the whole thing from focusing first on a tractional model, bring them in to a scent model. Right. We're sending all of you back in the community and you tell them about Jesus. And um in some ways that sounds like nothing new, but for here and us right now, it's a really big thing. And that's, that's what we're working on to answer your question.
0: Right. So there's a, uh, I can't remember how she said it, but basically the tweeted version of it, um, I say fairly often, which is, so there's, are you familiar with Henrietta Mears? Oh yeah. Okay. So Henry Mears, it's, it's the original Sunday school lady. It's not, you know, Dana Carvey oh, uh, on SNL. The original Sunday school lady is back, uh, I don't know, 80 years now, 70, 80 years now. Uh, oh, so this is Henry Ander Mears. And uh, one of my favorite things is she basically said, you know, people are not um, vessels to be filled. They're torches to be lit. Yep. And I think in the attractional model— we, we shifted back to a, a place where we were trying to build, uh, you know, a, and, a, an audience and not an army. And we're, we're trying to shift that back now and say, okay, um, when we gather people together, it really is not a vessels to be filled. It's a torches to be lit. And, you know, you you have people um, now, you know, one of us. Uh, so another podcast that's on our podcast network is um, J.D. Greer's Ask Me Anything podcast. And um, what I've loved about Summit for years is, you know, every Sunday when they release their people, you know, at Summit, you've been sent. And just how that is just an amazing, uh, it, it, it speaks volumes to people. It's not something that, you know, is slick that we crafted, that we, you know, hung above our doors and created posters and put them in all the hallways and and all that it is something that's said from stage and is um it's reinforced through the stories that they tell on the stage it's reinforced through you know um the their vision and what they're doing with church planting and all that so man i just love i love seeing that shift and you know um, we've been around a lot uh, long enough to to see different shifts in the church, and I, I think you're right. I do think we're seeing a a swing of the pendulum in a in a maybe back uh, a little ways, which may sound a little old churchy. Um,
1: a little maybe, but I think I think it's speaking to the next gen in a strong way.
0: It's interesting. Uh, I think so too. I think that. Um, you know, I'm an Xer. And so uh, Xers and boomers uh, had a tendency to be at each other a little bit. Um, but I do think the, the millennials and iGen, uh, iGen specifically, like the man, that group. And what I mean, I think everybody just categorizes somebody that's in their early 20s as millennial. And I'm like, no, 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 that's actually a different generation.
1: Yeah. Z um, is, is the, there's a new one. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So Z, Igen, like whatever you call those those people, man, they are an amazing group. And you know, we all we all have a tendency, I think, to look at that gener- the next generation and be like, "Oh, those poor people! What is the world going to be like? What are they ever going to do? How are they going to survive?" Um, it always seems to happen. And,
1: and, you know, and I, 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 know, I hear all that stuff too. But uh, whether we say millennials or the next next, you know, Igen. Uh, <laughs> I've just never been in that group. I, I'll just speak on, I'll go generic with the millennials. Right. Um, you know, the big thing people say, well, they don't know how to work. They don't work. They wake up and whatever. I, I don't believe that. At least the, I think they're amazing. You just have to know how to talk with them, how to lead them. I, I think when, when you connect with millennials and you truly empower them and give them the keys and train them and pour into them, they're incredible. And and if you see them correctly and believe in them, they're they're a force to be reckoned with. I think if you treat them like you guys don't work and you come in at noon and whatever whatever those kind of well yeah they're gonna that's how they're gonna behave. And and uh, I'm a boomer, you know, and 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 all of us we we want to be treated with value and poured into and invested in. Uh, I can't imagine where I would be if I didn't have a. John Maxwell and Keith Rory, all the others who poured into me and invested in me. And I'm very blessed because of, because of their mentoring and guidance to me. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so it's just in my blood to pour it back out. And so we love doing it. So good.
0: All right. I'm going to move us to our third question. So other than spending the daily discipline time that you need to, uh, with the Lord in, uh, the Bible and prayer, I'm going to take that answer away.
1: You can take it
0: uh, away. <laughs> what what are the one or two things that you need to do every day to stay sharp as a leader
1: uh well you took one away <laughs> but uh, so i won't camp there but i but i if i'm going to be authentic i have to right. tell you the real answer for me it's two things but i, I it's a two plus so you'll get your you'll get your two all right all right for me it's 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 pray and run for, for me it's pray, pray and run every day every day every day and and i run 7 days a week and and of course i i shouldn't say run anymore i jog 7 days a week <laughs> um but i'm just in 30 years i mean i just you know just it's just in me and when i'm doing that when i'm staying healthy when i'm staying lean when i, I do my good thinking and even if i have kind of a forest gump vibe it's not right. i just not not fast not pretty you know right but all says i put my tennis shoes on every day um uh, But, and prayers are really a big thing to me too, but to give you a second or what I call a two plus, um, I need to write every day. That's part of my calling. And I, you know, interesting, Todd, I I learn because it's a discipline, uh, sometimes a a, a grueling one, and most of the time a a really fun one. Uh, I kind of learn what I think when I write. Yeah. You know, I, I... I have people, <laughs> I have no shortage of words, I can talk way too much. But, uh, and sometimes when I, when I or others talk, it's just a lot of words, but when I force myself to write them on a piece of paper, it's like, oh, and I, I, I it kind of helps me sharpen what I think, figure out what I think, learn what I think, communicate what I think. And, and then part of my calling is actually to write and, and send that out. So for me, um that that discipline of writing is uh important and a calling for me. Hmm.
0: That's good. That's really good. Uh if Daniel was here, he would tell me I need to be dis- more disciplined in writing. Would he? Yeah, he would. He would because uh the joke is this podcast started because I hate to write. Uh and then the ninety second oh. uh leadership things that that I do in front of a, like a clear whiteboard. Those happen every week. Uh, that's also because I don't want to write. It's like, Hey, just give me a subject and I'll talk about it, but don't make me write. Don't make me
1: write. Blogging kind of like,
0: Oh, I, I, I do a lot more than I used to, but Uh it's a, it's a struggle for me because you want to make it perfect you want it to sound you keep at least i just keep going back and changing it again and again and then when somebody edits it then i have to change it even more because then they messed up my voice
1: <laughs> yeah it's
0: brutal it's a brutal process
1: it's a brutal process and, and uh people ask a lot of times like how do you how, what is the creativity what, what's the, you know i said creativity there, sometimes creativity looks like it's Tuesday at two and you have to turn it in, write something. That's, that's creativity. (laughs) You know, when you're staring at a blank page and you go, this isn't creative, just write something. And, and uh, um, so, and then other times obviously more so than not uh, Holy Spirit speaking. And actually I get a lot of my ideas besides a a good run or God's prompting me uh, is I I get a lot of calls and texts and connects and conference kind of things where leaders ask me questions. Right. And those, I just turn, you know, I think, well, if one person's asking, maybe a lot of them. And so I'll turn questions into a blog.
0: Yep. That's really good. It's great advice too. Hey, before we get into our next question, I just wanted to talk to you a little bit about something really important. Training. You know, most of us know that training is really important for our volunteers and leaders, but we don't know where to start. And that's why LifeWay developed Ministry Grid with its library of over 3,000 training videos. The work has been done for you. There's templates, there's role descriptions, everything matches up and makes one very wise development plan. And this is training you can trust because each Ministry Grid video features an experienced ministry leader who has been where you are now. You can also customize those trainings by adding videos, PDFs, YouTubes, audio, anything. And now Ministry Grid has one plan with one price that gives you unlimited access to train your entire church. So just go to ministrygrid.com to learn more. Once again, that's ministrygrid.com. Now, back to our show. All right, let's talk about uh, our fourth question, and that is what does leadership in your home look like? And how has like that it. changed over the years?
1: Yeah, I love that question. It has changed. That's a, that's a good add to it too. It has changed because my kids are, I have two kids, a boy and a girl. We call we say a PC and a Mac, you know. My, <laughs> my son's the PC. He's a software developer. Just finished his master's a couple years ago at Georgia Tech. And so he's, he's very, very, he's a quiet kid, big heart. And, but he can, he can set it a keyboard all day long and be fine. My my daughter uh, married. Um, she's the Mac, uh, no pun intended, Mackenzie John Peter McKenzie. And she's the artist by far. Uh, they're, they're filmmakers. She married a filmmaker. And so they're on the art side. And, of course, now that they're out of the house, they're all, they're all in Atlanta, though. So we get to see them really, really, really Oh, early. that's great. They're up all the time. But So that has changed things some. You know, how does it look at home? Uh, a couple of things I'll share with you, try to be brief, and then if you're interested in more, we can unpack it. But uh, Patty and I are, are, are um, a team. Patty's awesome. She's amazing. The people look at her and go, how did, how did that happen? How'd you get her? You know, and I was very lucky. Uh, she's always been the fun in the family. She's the fun person. I'm more intense. And so she makes holidays great. She just makes everybody loves Patty. She just makes things fun, which is which is a good balance for me. One time, she said to me many many years ago, it, it probably wasn't a great moment, one of those intense fellowship moments. <laughs> yes, know?
0: I'm familiar with those.
1: Yes, I do. We've we've had ours, and uh, she said, she "says, hon, you care more about everything than I care about anything," you know. <laughs> And so I I get it. I I got a lot of, you know, a little too much. And, but she's the one that makes life fun. And I'm the problem solver. I'm the one that makes life better. And so that's been a great partnership. Uh, I'll drive us forward to help the kids, anybody be be better. She makes it fun, which is a great balance. I've, in terms of my personhood, I've never, you know, I've always been an XP. Maxwell, et cetera, et cetera, Kevin, so I've never been the star. I've always been the glue, right? And so I tend to glue things together. I think to be the some strength behind the scenes kind of a thing. So that's what leadership in my home looks like. Um, I'm the one that that you know when someone's in trouble or someone's needing some help, they they come to Dad. When they want to party, they go to Mom. <laughs> And, and so that's what our home looks like. And now I'll give you a specific example. And I've led huddles, and, and I, and I like your add-on because that uh, brings another thought out of then and now. Uh, I've always led huddles through all, all of our all of our life. You know, Bible studies, we go through books together and, and just, you know, uh all through college, you know, when they come home for summer, we'll have a summer book and we'll huddle up and, you know, we'll talk through a book together at dinner and, and, uh, uh, and even, even now, uh, uh, of course, it's much more difficult because they're busy and they have their own lives. But we're actually going through the road, the road back to you, you know, Ian Cron, Cron yeah. and, and we're going to have, we did, I had them all take the test. I said, let's read the book, let's have dinner and we'll talk about that. We'll have fun. And so I've always led the family that way. Uh, But here's the difference. And I've I've grown. I've got better. You'll laugh at me. But when the kids were really little and they'd sit up on the couch and we'd be going through something together, I was all serious. And and they did want to giggle and laugh. And I would say, stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. This is, you know, this is important. And. That was so wrong and so dumb. It was so dumb. And thank God, my wife, thank you, thank you, know, and, and the Holy Spirit kind of got a hold of me and I didn't do that too long because I just could have really messed them up and messed us up. But it, the best thing in the world was when we were studying and growing and reading books and talking, but let them laugh and let them giggle and let them have fun memories of doing that rather than... This is serious, and what did you get for number two? You know, kind of a thing, you right. know? And so uh, I had to learn that, you know, throttle my intensity to so that now in their late 20s, they actually say, sure, Dad, that'd be fun. Well, let's do a book together. And so the difference between then and now uh, is a gift that's come back where my kids actually remember it in a good way and want to, and want, and and are willing to do it again.
0: That's so good. And I'm so glad I asked (laughs) the question the way I did, because that's convicting for me, you know, and I'm sure it's convicting for some of the, the listeners as well, because man, you know, uh, it, okay. So I have four kids, um, from 10 to one. And, um, You know, like yesterday at the time of this recording, I had to fish a tennis ball out of my next-door neighbor's tailpipe that my (laughs) six- and eight-year-old decided would be a great idea to shove up. Awesome. Uh, Yeah. So they, you know, and of course they come in and uh, both of them, their arm are black up to the shoulder and they try to hide and they try to do all the stuff. And you're just like, man, how am I going to hold it together <laughs> um but yeah i mean and and um my wife and i's relationship is very similar to what it sounds like for for you and your wife only i think uh roles may be reversed at times um but the the interesting thing is you know and we do this every day we do that time every day where we're um walking through uh a book uh a, you know a kids devotional book of course That's like you know whether it's Advent or Lent or something, we're always doing doing some systematic, yeah. you know, kind you of thing. You
1: don't take your kids through War and Peace, is what you're saying, right? Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> I, that's what I do. I have them in classical school, and um, <laughs> I'm not joking. Um,
1: I'm impressed. We, I, we never did that every day. We oh, did that. I'm we did obsessed in
0: seasons, seasons. I'm obsessed.
1: Um, yeah, you are intense. Come on, baby.
0: I'm intense. Uh, we are. You and I are similar in, in a lot of ways as well, but. The the thing is, it is the one walk away, takeaway that I will have from this conversation is the fact that when my kids are twenty, I want them to walk through a book with me. And as I'm walking through Lent, Advent, whatever, if when the when if I want to do this with my grandkids, I should probably have more fun right now <laughs> than I might be.
1: There you go. Let them laugh. Let them play.
0: Yeah. yeah. Well, don't get me wrong. We have a lot of fun, but man, that. Yeah, yeah. that is a good, that's a very good word. All right. I almost do not want to ask our last question because I, I love that one, the answer to that one so much. Um, all right. Last question is, what would you tell your 20-year-old self about preparing to lead? Other uh, than pick up a few more guitars.
1: Well, you know, you can never have too many guitars. <laughs> you can never have too many. <laughs> uh, I think I'm at 16.
0: Now. Oh. The, the,
1: the, the good news is I've I've learned to, my Patty thinks this is hysterical. And she doesn't care. She just, you know, she's very, very generous and supportive. and, But I have learned, you know, and the joke is, Dad is selling <clears throat> the last guitar that he had to have to get the next guitar that he has to have, right? So kind of try to, trying to draw on a limit that, that you know enough is enough. So if you want a different one, get another one, but but don't keep adding. Go, you make yourself go sell one that you had, you know, kind of a thing. But right. anyway, so so what would I tell my twenty-year-old self about preparing to lead? Uh, a, a couple of things, and, and maybe a story, and we can wrap up. But uh, honestly, I have to go back to the answer that you forbid last time. But I would say. Pray more, just pray more, pray more, pray more. I really, I really would. Young leaders ask me that a lot. And I have to say that's my real answer. And second, to lean into who you really are. Discover, I'm a quintessential late bloomer. And so a lot of it, you know, and didn't get a lot of this training till I met John and stuff. And But lean into you, and, and boomers was a different generation Just suck it up and lead, you know. And and not, not quite the builders, because they really did suck it up and lead, but we kind of picked up some of that. But lean into who you really are, you're wiring your authentic you, you know, to, that helps you get to security versus in, over over insecurity, those kinds of things. Definitely was, had insecurities as a young leader. Well, we all have insecurities. It's Genesis 3, we, we get it. But um, uh, hopefully we, we mature over them and mature through them. And the first and great sign, self awareness, we know that's popular now. But to be relaxed and authentic enough and like the real you so that you are secure in your own skin. And the story that came to mind that I I, I want to tell is is because, um, you know, most of, a lot of us are driven type A kind of leaders. And I remember a long time ago. Do you remember, Todd, when the book Good to Great came out? Oh, Jim yeah. Cole? Yeah, yeah. OK. And I, I got to go to a conference a long time ago called Off the Map. Our friends at Leadership Network had put it on. Right. And, and uh he spoke there it was just before good to great came out and i got i got to be in a kind of a uh little lunch kind of a thing for uh, invites got to hang out with with right. jim Collins. of so a greet and meet with jim collins and so we got to talk and got acquainted and then he gave his talk and you know the five levels and stuff and right and i was just really frustrated and a, several guys with me so we just we, we kind of went up to the stage after Jim Collins finished talking, Jim Collins finished talking and about f- five or six of us. And I sort of led the charge and I said to Jim, so you're talking about these level five leaders and you're naming guys like Peter Drucker and all these like huge names. And what about us mere mortals who we're just us? I mean, how do we do? So that means we can never be a level five. We just, what about us? <laughs> And he said, here's what I've learned about the difference between you and them. And that is there's very little difference. You look at them like they're, they're superstars, but there's very little difference. Here's the difference. He said, they simply have found who they are, what they do, what their calling is, what they're supposed to do, their lane. they they found that lane really, really early in life. And they've been doing it for a very long time. And in that second, I just knew that was true. I knew that was gold. I knew that was an insight that was powerful. And for it, it almost goes back to where we started our conversation, Todd. What's your deep work? What's the essentialism? Mm-hmm. How fast can you find it? Don't, don't freak out if you're 38 or 49 and you don't know yet. But, but the sooner you can find it and the longer you can do it, the greater
0: impact you're going to make. That's so good. Well, Dan, I just want to thank you so much for uh, being on the podcast and uh, we'll definitely be following up with you again. You know, we should do, so occasionally we do book breakdowns uh, and half the time it's just me and Daniel, but occasionally we invite uh, other people in to do it. We haven't done deep work yet. Um, It might be fun to do Deep Work or Essentialism or some other book. Um, That would be, that that could be, that could be fun. We should do that sometime. If you're open to it, would love to have you back on and would love to um, break down a book. And we just basically go through, hey, why should pastors even pay attention to this? And is this a read, a sit down or skim? And I think we know the answer on Deep Work. You can't skim it.
1: You can't skim it. You can't (laughs) skim it. But
0: Not that one. Good deal. Well, thank you so much. Um, Thanks, bud. Just so enjoyed having you on. And uh, for those listening, please hop on over to iTunes and leave us a rating and review, and we'll see you next time.